Today's episode of The Rewatchables is brought to you by State Farm. Around here, we love talking about movies that we watch, rewatch, and watch again because they're just that good. It's the thoughtful details, the little things other movies don't have that keep us coming back. And here's the deal when it comes to insurance. We can't get enough of State Farm. They have the details. We appreciate all of them. They make insurance easy. You can monitor your coverage, pay your bill, or even file a claim through their app, which was awarded Best Insurance Mobile App 2019. And thanks to their network of 19,000 agents, you'll have someone local to walk you through options, help you choose a policy that meets your individual needs. First, cookie cutter coverage. Best of all, they give it to you straight. No gimmicks, no games, just guidance you can count on. It's a no-brainer. Go out and get the insurance you deserve. Get State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Get a quarter, find an agent at statefarm.com. We're also brought to you by DC Universe. It's the ultimate DC membership. Watch DC content, read nearly 23,000 comics, and connect with other DC fans. Earn tokens to receive exclusive DC swag with the new DC Universe rewards program launching soon. Watch original series like Harley Quinn and get ready for Stargirl premiering May 18th. Join DC Universe with a seven-day free trial plus 15% off your first three months. Visit dcuniverse.com slash hellopod and enter code REWATCHABLES at checkout. Valid for monthly subscription only. Expires 6-30-2020. Today I saw a slave become more powerful than the Emperor of Rome. Gladiator, coming up next. The general. What we do in life echoes in eternity. Who became a slave. You should not have defied the emperor. The slave. Win the crowd. You'll win your freedom. Who became a gladiator. They said you were a giant. I shall cheer for you. The gladiator. At my signal, unleash hell. Who defied an empire. Today I saw a slave become more powerful than the emperor of Rome. From director Ridley Scott, Russell Crowe, Gladiator, rated R. All right, we are trying a four-man rewatchables on Zoom. Don't try this at home. Only the experts can do this. Don't. It's not amateur hour time. This is the experts. This is we put a lot of time and thought into this. Chris Ryan, Jason Concepcion, Shea Serrano. We are going to break down Gladiator, which has its twentieth anniversary this month. This is a great movie. It's not on TV enough. I think it's because it's too long. I'm going to start here. I'm going to start with Shay. Is Russell Crowe the number one choice all time to be in this movie? Could you think of any other actor at any other point in their career who would have been a better choice than Russell Crowe in 2000 for Gladiator? No, absolutely not. Because he could do all of the things you need the Gladiator to be able to do. He needs to be noble. He needs to be able to be fearsome, ferocious, um, inspire you. And Russell Crowe is one of the like two or three actors who can do all of those things without compromising any of the other parts. This movie caught him at the exact right point in his life for this to come out. This is one of the movies where you watch him. I don't know if this is the top level of movie stardom, but it's somewhere up there where you watch him in this movie. And as soon as it's over, you're like, Oh, I need to, I need to see him in another movie right now. Like I want to watch him again. He, he's incredible in this role. Jason. Yeah, I agree. He's, he's, he covers so many bases. He's big enough to sell that he's this Roman warrior, but he's not like so big that he's not relatable. Mm-hmm. He's funny. He's warm. He can be fearsome. He's one of the things that really struck me about this is like, especially in an age where you know, we've got a lot of actors who 
are playing these larger than life roles. And so they have to wear like the lift shoes where, you know, like Tony Stark <laughs> or the, or the Irishman. There's the scene in gladiator after uh, the first big debut in Rome, where they're coming down the elevator and everyone's going Maximus, Maximus, Maximus. And he's surrounded by his, his dudes. And they're all like a foot taller than him, but mm-hmm. he still is emanating that like energy of, I am the leader of this entire crew of huge burly guys. And I think only Russell Crowe in that moment could have sold that where he has the physical presence, despite like kind of being the smallest of all the other gladiators and the acting chops and all of that. Like it, it, it was Russell Crowe in this moment. He, he was the perfect fit. Chris. Every alternative you could think of that has a problem with it. So they're mm-hmm. including the people that were up for this role originally around Crow, like Mel Gibson, who declined because he was too old, Hugh Jackman, Antonio Banderas. I think you could make an argument for Javier Bardem could have maybe done this in a different world. But honestly, in a weird way, that that generation is the last one that I would have felt comfortable playing this role. Like all the guys after that have something that is just unbelievable or not realistic about being this. Like, I can't imagine The Rock doing it. I can't imagine Vin Diesel doing it. I can't imagine a Hemsworth doing it. So yeah, this is this is like, it was a perfect marriage between the, the role and the performer. You know, it's funny. So Mel Gibson turned it down just to step on a casting what if from later because he felt like he was too old. He was 43 when he turned it down. I to me, Mel Gibson is the only other guy who could have done it, but I'm I'm going way earlier, Mel Gibson, like Lethal Weapon one, maybe somewhere between Lethal Weapon one and two, Mel Gibson is the only person I think could have pulled off the charisma of the leadership because we saw him basically do it in Braveheart and the Patriot to some degree. But I, I think that's the only other one because you have to be watching this and not only feeling like in the opening scene that he could be, you know, win this whole battle, be in control of this whole army. But then later is when he's a slave and the other slaves are just gravitating to him. Yeah. Um, Jason, did it remind you at all of uh, Jamie Lannister before he lost his hand? <laughs> Little shades of Jamie Lannister. You mean in terms of like the fighting prowess and the leadership? Jamie Lannister was was respected, but like widely reviled. Maximus just generates He's beloved. respect from everyone yeah. who is around him. Uh, he just has that magnetism. So I, th- I would say that Maximus like it is far surpasses Jamie Lannister in terms of like the respect um, that he garners from his compatriots and the and the leadership that he exudes. And the, I was thinking from a Christmas standpoint. Go ahead, Shay. Uh, to your your point about Gibson, I don't think Gibson can pull this off because Russell has a has bulk to him. Like there are a couple of scenes yeah. when you see him with his yeah, shirt yeah. off and he's got he's got like the big back muscles where he's just sort of holding it forward. Gibson, Gibson and in Braveheart, for example, he's too small. He just that's like a that's like yeah. a soldier, but you need a different body to be a gladiator. You need you need strength. The bulk is important because it's like he's he's big, but he's not like the rock you're not like chiseled freak up. big. He's yeah. big in a way that that you look at him and go, I could imagine being that big if I just kind of like ate a lot of meat and then worked out, <laughs> but didn't, but didn't jog. You mm. know what I mean? Like it looks like a, it looks like an attainable kind of big. And I think that's really important for this role. Yeah. yeah. I hate the fact that like in, you know, 300, all the guys look like they have like PX 90 classes. 
<laughs> it's supposed to look like you've lived in a tent in Bavaria yeah. in 190 AD, man. You're not supposed to look like you have a personal trainer. <laughs> right. Well, he had a way of of carrying. Was he Australian or New Zealand? He was Australian, Australian. right? He had a way of carrying himself like the way he lived his life in real life. You could just see like at the bar <laughs> yeah. at 2.30 in the morning, like him, somebody's looking at him cross-eyed and he's like ready to go with the guy. This has... We've, t- we've talked about the Russell Crowe, uh, the kick-ass stretch that he had, um, where you have from 99 to 03. First, he does the insider before this. He puts on 40 pounds, finishes that, loses the 40 pounds. And I, I researched, like, oh, I wonder what he did. It was like nothing. He just was back on his farm. Uh, <laughs> goes to Gladiator. Uh, goes to Proof of Life, which we've covered on the Rewatchable somehow before this one. Which is, I think, an iconic Crow performance because there's really not a lot going on. And he's so good. He's at the peak of his powers. Goes from that to A Beautiful Mind and then Master and Commander. Uh, Shay, you wrote movies and other things. Mm -hmm. For just five movie stretches, that's that's on the short list, I feel like. I'm sure there's some Tom Hanks one we can dig up and a couple other ones. But just those five and the different kind of roles, that's got to be that's got to be on the short list. Yeah, it is. He has a run like that. Omar Epps in the early '90s has a run like that. Omar. I'm serious. I'm serious. No, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I'm okay, just okay. enjoying that wanna, you said it. I just want to make sure, like, we should respect the Omar Epps. He has a run like that. Denzel has a run. Julia Roberts has a run. Like all of your favorite actors, they have to put that stretch together where they're like, oh, like this this person was running shit for a while. Russell's here was. Fucking shit. I mean, honestly, you could have put any other four movies you wanted with Gladiator, and it's so good that it's just like, he's going to pull it into the conversation. Yeah. Jason, you like Master Commander more than this movie. What? I I really do. I Listen, Gladiator (laughs) is a... Gladiator Gladiator is a sensation, and I understand... Master Commander is a better movie. Gladiator is a sensation, and I understand why it is a beloved and utterly rewatchable action movie. Master and Commander is a better story. It's a better movie. His acting performance is incredible. Not only the kind of like warrior at sea leadership qualities, but like there's warmth the way he, uh, the way he interacts with his crew members, many of them who are children, like the, the, the cinematography at sea, I watched it last night because I'm like, I, I got to get into the crow vibe. People don't understand what an incredible movie Master and Commander is. An incredible film from start to finish. I don't want to derail, but it's a better movie. <laughs> you and Chris right now sound like like when the Jordan doc is playing and people are like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Was Scottie Pippen actually better than Michael Jordan? No. That's what you two sound like right now. This is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. Chris, where do you stand? A Master and Commander versus Gladiator? Yeah. Uh, I actually think Master and Commander is a oh better made film. Yeah. It's a, more, it's a more interesting movie. What's happening right now? There's Guess how many shots of a guy touching wheat are in Master and Commander? Zero. Uh, I, I think one of the things that happened with Master and Commander was that 
Crow had made so many good movies, and then there was, you know, they they all of a sudden we're going backwards with action movies, and it, it got lost in the shuffle a little bit for when it came out, you know. Some, and sometimes that happens. I, I will say this. I, I will say this, and, and we and on a broader scale, Gladiator is a more rewatchable movie. Yes, and hundred percent. Gladiator kind of gets back to some of the original DNA of this pod, and I know that people really love giving us feedback on whether or not something that we've chosen <laughs> to do. <laughs> Whether it's rewatchable or not, or not, whether it's Gen X or not. <laughs> this is a movie that I would say goes into a very special rewatchable character, which is basically the hold on, just give me a second movie. It's when you turn to your significant other or your buddy, but when you're about yeah. to leave the house, when we when we were allowed to leave the house, and this movie's on, and you're like, Hold on, I just need to see the first battle. Hold on, oh, yeah. I just need to see this fight with the tiger. Yes. Hold on, him and Commodus are about to talk. And that's that's like a very special kind of movie where it has like six scenes that are so good that no matter what else is going on, you're like, oh, fuck, you know, can you just hold on just a second? Because they're, they're, they're about to get surrounded by the like the African cavalry, you know, yeah. guys. And like, I just need to see that one scene. Then we can go. I promise. Yeah, it was tough to narrow down the rewatchable scenes to 10 because you're right. It 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 calms down. Then there's another one. Then it calms down again. Then there's another one. The pace of it. I Just to go back to 2000 for a second, this movie was really ahead of its time. Like, like people really didn't fuck with Roman era or anything or, you know, Spartacus had come out 40 years before, I think. But for the most part, it was considered to be kind of a movie suicide mission to go back in time like that. And when this came out, you know, Crow had been a lot of people had Russell Crowe stock in the nineties. He was, he, he had that buzz of this is the next guy. And then finally, you know, he was went head to head with Denzel. He went head 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 with a couple other people. Then LA confidential happens. That movie's a big hit, but it still hadn't totally happened. And then when this movie came out, I remember seeing this in the theater. I was still living in Boston and you know, the buzz was there. It was really expensive. The movie cost a hundred million dollars to make hundred and three. And it was just so fucking satisfying, you know? And it was just like, oh my God, this is... And you know, the widescreen of it, where we lost that when it was running on cable over and over again. This is like a great widescreen movie and a great lots of shit going on movie. And you you didn't really get that with the square TVs. But in the theater, this is one of those I remember seeing Mm -hmm. in this in the theater movies. And you left that movie thinking Russell Crowe's the biggest star in the world. Like, this would have been a Tom Cruise movie gone wrong. Um, and really, by the way, thank our lucky stars. Shay, what is Tom Cruise in this movie? Are we buying it? No, do they have abso- to cast all five not. foot nine gladiators to, to, how do they do that? Tom, Tom Cruise cannot, cannot pull this off. I watched this movie in the movie theater too. This is one of like 10 movies in my life that I watched multiple times in a theater because like what, what you were saying, Bill, when the trailer came out and you saw it and I was like. I don't really like historical movies like this. I'm not so interested in it. And I was in college at the time. My mom had come to visit and she wanted to go see it. So I was like, all right, I guess we'll go hang out and go watch this movie. And you're just sitting there like, holy shit. I've never seen anything like this before in a movie in my life. And then as soon as she left, I called Laramie and I was like, Laramie, we have to go see this like on back to back days. And then we watched and she felt the exact same way. She don't like any sort of like violent movies. But this one, you just it's a better story than Master and Commander. What the it's fuck not are a talking better about? story, but, but it's <laughs> a better action movie. Mm. It's a better. It has. It has. 
perfect set piece action scenes that are eminently rewatchable. But like Master Commander is a better story. Get out of here. I don't want to talk about it. Fine. Me neither. Me neither. I don't talk about the, it either. The only way this can get worse is if someone Zoom bombed us with it naked, <laughs> naked from the waist down. <laughs> uh, all right. We have to talk about uh, Joaquin Phoenix. Hell yeah. So yeah. here's the history with him. He's He's River Phoenix's brother for a little while there where it's just like, oh yeah, that's River Phoenix's brother. And he's in Parenthood. He's the little kid who becomes obsessed with porn. Um, then it... <laughs> And it's like, oh, this guy's not bad. He's in To Die For with Nicole Kidman. Yep. It's like, oh, River River's bro can can kind of bring it. Then he does Inventing the Abbots, U-Turn, Return to Paradise, Clay Pigeons, resurfaces in a movie that at some point we're doing on the rewatchables, 8 millimeter. I don't know who's baby. with me. Eight I fucking love that baby. movie. I'm all in it. And he play, <laughs> he's working in a porn shop helping Nick Cage find who made this snuff film. And he's not in it that much, but it's one of those performances where you're like, wow, this guy's really doing stuff. Then he does the yards, then he does gladiator and he becomes a big, big star. Now I found out the research, Jason, your guy, Jack Gleason, 2011 models, Joffrey after Commodus in this movie. It's just, he's basically just stealing Commodus. It makes, it makes a lot of sense. Um, I would argue that Commodus is the best movie villain of the last 20 years. Like, better than the Joker, better than uh, who we don't know where he comes from. We don't know what the Joker's whole thing is. Commodus is a fleshed out character who you feel kind of bad for on a certain level. Like that, the opening scene where he's talking... uh, where he's, you know, he's arrived at his at his dad's tent, and he's and he's just been told that he's not going to be the emperor, and he's like, I just wanted to, you know, I just did all these things so you would love me, and why why don't you love me? And then, <laughs> and Marcus Aurelius <laughs> gets down on his knees and is like, all your wrongdoings are because of my failings as a father, and they embrace, and you're like, you know, I get it, I understand. <laughs> where you're coming from. You're going about it the completely wrong way, but I get it. And I think that is why he's so good. Like there, there's like a core of weakness to Commodus that is just really fun to watch. And it makes him so hateable. Like when everybody starts chanting for Maximus and then they cut to that scene of Commodus back at his uh, palace. He's like, everybody loves him. (laughs) It's like, it's so petulant. is so petulant. I remember that scene in the watching that scene in the movie theater and everybody just started laughing like, oh my God, this fucking guy. It just he's so hateable and it's so great. It, in much the same way Joffrey was hateable. Chris, if your dad looked at you and said, All of your faults are my fault, <laughs> I I did this to you. Does that make you feel better or worse? In a way, it actually might make you feel worse. Yeah, I mean, maybe that explains the master and commander thing. Uh, <laughs> it's a, it's a great, it's a great moment. And Richard Harris is an, obviously a like an absolute icon uh, actor. The thing that Phoenix does in this movie, and it's it's really, a, I guess, a credit to really Scott too to kind of see because they're they're all essentially in two separate movies for a lot of it is he is just the perfect foil for Maximus. Mm-hmm. He is like, because yeah. the, the cool thing out about him is Commodus is all training and no experience. Like yeah. he's actually built, he can fight a little bit. 
he's not like he's being an asshole at the Senate meetings, but he's not like completely unfamiliar with it. He's like just twirling his sword. That's such a great little bit. And he I just love how like he has lived a life of no consequences. When he's watching a gladiator fight, he can be like, yeah, yeah. And nobody's like, that's not, it's kind of rude. These guys are dying. He has never <laughs> been told no. He's never been told he's wrong, except by the one person that would actually matter. And that's his dad. And it just basically breaks him in half that and the fact that he's in love with a family member. But that, you know, aside from that, yeah. it's Rome. I mean, like whatever. <laughs> but yeah, it's just such a perfect foil for the the Maximus character and they, it's such a perfect performance because Russell Crowe is so classical like he is kind of doing yeah. an elevated different mer- modern version of Kirk Douglas but Joaquin Phoenix is doing James Dean he's doing the like nervy I'm neurotic I have tons of anxiety and hang-ups it's such a perfect juxtaposition Shay um Commodus versus Don Trump Jr. compare and contrast fucking they're both the worst in the world <laughs> They're just both miserable, and I hate them both. <laughs> Commodus would be a fun nickname for Trump Jr. I'm going to give you the best supporting actor, Shay, and you tell me if the right person won. By the way, incredible category this year. This is the 2001 Oscars for the mm-hmm. 2000 movie season. Joaquin Phoenix, mm-hmm. Albert Finney and Aaron Brockovich. Mm-hmm. The only one I don't have any history with here is Willem Dafoe and Shadow the Vampire. I don't really remember that performance at all. Uh, Jeff Bridges in The Contender. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite president performances ever, if not number one. I really loved him as the president. I feel I would take him right now. And then Benicio Del Toro wins for Traffic. Mm-hmm. Is, that the right, is that the right choice 20 years later? I, no, Commodus should have won. Joaquin Phoenix was incredible. And that's movie. how I for, feel for all of the reasons that Jason and, and Chris are saying, this is my favorite walking Phoenix performance like that he's ever done ever. It's just so nuanced and, and cool. And when you rewatch it and you know where he's going to end up by the end of the movie, it's really neat to see him sort of snake his way in that direction because he never goes in a straight line there. Like when Jason said, when he meets his dad in the tent, he's not mad at first. He's like genuinely hurt and like, yeah. Why are why are you doing this? Why are you saying this to me right now? And all of a sudden he has to confront this stuff and you see him snap and make the decision, okay, fuck it, I'm gonna go for this. And then yeah, he just gets slimier and slimier as it goes. It's unreal. I think that there's something we could actually start to do on this podcast more frequently, which is essentially Oscar swap. And I would Oscar swap uh Joaquin gets the gladiator Oscar and Benicio gets an Oscar for Sicario. Oh, now you're just. <laughs> now, I'm in. Now I'm you're in. just catering to Shay and Jason. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> Thumbs up. Sign me up. That, you just covered that with gravy and fed that to me. Come on, that, that was ridiculous. You know, there was one. Uh, somebody got screwed in the Best Supporting Actor. I just wanted to mention because this is the year you can count on me. Came out the Laura Linney movie, mm, and uh, movie. and and Mark Ruffalo did not get nominated. So I don't know what I don't remember enough about Willem Dafoe's performance, but I, I would have thrown Ruffo in there too. Crow wins for best actor. He beats Javier Bardem in Before Night Falls, Tom Hanks in Castaway. Tough one for me. Ed Harris and Pollock and Jeffrey Rush and Quills. I don't know what the fuck was happening <laughs> in uh, that year, but the Crow Crow wins for that. Then he wins with Beautiful Mind. Does the old twofer? Mm-hmm. Uh, did not get nominated for Proof of Life, Chris. Yeah. They uh, <laughs> they sent it to the Oscar committee and they were just like, uh, 
they were just like, uh, no way. But that was interesting. So that that was also the year Julia Roberts won for Aaron Brockovich. And then Gladiator wins for Best Movie. It becomes uh, the first Best Picture Oscar winner in 51 years to win for Best Picture, but not for writing or directing, which is something that happened more frequently uh, this century. But at the time, it was always a lock. Uh, Ridley Scott, really quickly. I don't know if you guys know this. Tony Scott's brother just found, just <laughs> kidding. Uh, just kidding. We, uh, we knew that. Um, he kind of slumped in the nineties. I'm not sure what happened here with him. He, he, uh, if you go backwards, he does Stelman Louise in 1991. And before that had had a couple big ones, obviously, including, uh, someone to watch over me. I don't do, where do you guys stand on someone to watch over me? I stand, I stand and I salute it. <laughs> I stand at attention. <laughs> Tom Berger, Mimi Rogers, great premise. Uh, I would recommend anybody out there listening who's like, oh, what 80s movies still really hold up? I would peak, highly see. Peak Mimi Rogers. Peak Mimi Rogers, really good. So, and he does Black Rain, a, a Chris Ryan favorite. Michael Douglas. I love Black Rain. Incredible. Leather movie. jacket. Oh, we're, could there be a Black Rain rewatchables? I didn't realize. Incredible. You have a guy oh, on wow. a motorcycle with a sword. If there's a guy on yeah. a motorcycle with a sword, I'm in. Sign me up. Great Andy Garcia. Yeah. There's a decapitation. It's got everything. <laughs> it's great. So he does, uh, just kind of falls apart. It is 1492. He does White Squall, which isn't a bad movie, by the way. G.I. Jane. Good. And then three years between G.I. Jane and Gladiator. And then Gladiator puts him back on the map and, He's kind of all over the place, but I, I would say this is probably his great achievement, right? Yeah, Ridley, Ridley Scott is one of the like few directors I knew when I was in my 20s because he did Gladiator and it was like, oh, you kept seeing his name pop up. And then you find out, oh, he did G.I. Jane. I really like G.I. Jane. And then Hannibal and then Black Hawk Down and then Matchstick Men. It was like five movies in a row that I just, they were all the things I liked. Fucking incredible. Yeah, I, this is his, I mean, clearly, like, I think his most popular movie, but this is a guy, I mean, he directed alien, you know, mm-hmm. he directed blade runner. He is a giant. One of my favorite filmmakers. Yeah. So maybe blade runner is probably, I like if it, when he's not dead yet, if it, when he dies, I wonder what the first movie in the obituary is. It's probably goes blade runner, alien gladiator, right? Yeah. If they're yes. listing him. Yes. Um, Chris, I have, I have Ridley as a minus two twenty favorite over Tony Scott. Who who are you backing from a gambling standpoint? Entire IMDb. Oh, can I hedge? Oh, wow. Come on. No, do I have you to can't. do this? <laughs> no, Ridley's minus two twenty. You have to pick one. Can I just hire somebody to actually bet both so that like I have like an anonymous like emissary? Um, <laughs> no. You're on a desert island. You can only have the DVDs of one director. I think honestly, given the last year and a half or so of podcasting about Tony Scott that we've done, I I'm I'm like my mind kind of works more on the Tony Scott level. Although I think Ridley's highs might be higher. I think Blade Runner and Alien might be like above everything, but I think that on a movie to movie basis, I'm more entertained and I'm more stimulated by Tony. Yeah. Tony, Tony took like more chances and took more shots. And in a lot of ways, like his stuff is interesting in ways that Ridley's movies aren't sometimes, but I, I, it, in terms of like their entire canon, but like I, I go Ridley as well. I think the highs, to your point, the highs are higher. Shay, 
Yeah, I'm I'm a Ridley guy. Tony did I, some of the movies that Tony did that I really liked were the probably the movies that Chris Ryan did not like. Like Deja Vu was like that's the it. first Tony Ryan uh, Tony Scott movie I think of. Give me that one. Give me fucking Top Gun and Deja Vu. Those are my two favorites. And Man on Fire, I guess those three. Um, but if I'm just if I can only watch one, I have to pick whatever Gladiator is in. Ridley Scott wins. I'm in the Tony Scott camp. That's my guy. I, I think he might be, if you're like, what one director would I want all the DVDs on if I was on the Desert Island for five years? He's at least in the conversation for yeah. me. Because he made, he made so many movies that I've just enjoyed. How many have we done on the rewatchables at this point, Chris? At least, uh, at least four or five, four right? four or five, yeah. Top Gun, we've done Unbreakable, we've done Enemy of the State, we might have another one coming soon. Like, we ha- we've done a bunch. Well, we, we could say what, which one we have coming soon. We're doing Crimson Tide. Ooh. All right, quickly. $103 million budget grossed $187.7 million in the U.S., $457 million worldwide. This was the second highest grossing movie of 2000. I did not realize that. I didn't realize this was that much of a monster. I have some sad news, though. Our guy, Raj, Roger Ebert, not a huge fan. <laughs> <laughs> two stars. Yikes. Come on. Some actual on. two stars. Shay, he's dead, so you can't fight him, but you might want to fight him anyway. Some actual quotes here from Raj. The storyline is Rocky on Downers. Gladiator lacks joy. It employs depression as a substitute for personality and believes that if the characters are bitter and morose enough, we won't notice how dull they are. They killed his family. What do you want him to do? They crucified his family. And he's like, oh, come on, man. Take it on the chin. Keep it moving. The film looks muddy, fuzzy, and indistinct. Well, that's this wrong. is all that's wrong. Every single thing that's is false. wrong. That's objectively wrong. This is yeah. Raj telling on himself that he bought like a, a like a VHS tape of this in like <laughs> off a street corner. <laughs> well, he then he went on Charlie Rose and and kind of stood by it and was like, the special effects are bad. I don't know what happened to Raj. I I, I think wrong. actually that's for two thousand the special effects were uh, incredible. Oliver um, Reed dies during the making of this film and you you don't know. You don't notice it. Right. Because of the special effects. We're going to take a quick break then we're going to do the categories because we have a lot to get through. Hey, I want to tell you about two new Ringer podcasts. One is actually like on an old feed, but it is new. It's Behind the Billions. It's with Brian Koppelman and David Levine, the showrunners and co-creators of Billions. After every Billions episode, they will be on our Recapables feed, breaking it down. So Sunday nights, Billions is on on Showtime, 9 p.m. And then you can listen to our Behind the Billions podcast, where those guys, it's basically like a director's commentary. Also, to try a free month of Showtime, go to Showtime.com, enter code BS. That offers for first-time subscribers only. It expires May 31st, Showtime.com with code BS. So that's one thing. Speaking of TV, TV Concierge, our newest podcast, which you can find exclusive on Spotify, 12 to 15 minute reviews and previews of either shows that just launched, new seasons of shows that launched or shows that are coming. I went on there twice last week, broke down Little Fires Everywhere with Amanda Dobbins and Ozark season three with Ryan Rossillo. So if you like the rewatchables, I'm pretty reasonably certain you will like TV concierge. Check both of those out. Back to this pod. All right, we're doing the categories. Chris, just before we get into this, I know how much you enjoy when somebody's called the Spaniard. 
You like in soccer <laughs> and in basketball when the Argentinian, the Spaniard, it's a, there's, it really elevates the level. Uh, the opening scene. With your hair right now, we should start calling you Billy the Italian. The half Italian. <laughs> yeah, just call me that. Most rewatchable scene. The opening uh, battle scene, Chris Ryan texted us last night and said it was face melting. Yes. Yeah. So you have an AD 180. This is according to Wikipedia. Hispano-Roman General Maximus leads the Roman army to a blowout victory against their Germanic tribes. I, I put blowout in the word blowout. Yeah, what was the blowout. point spread? <laughs> 120 to 85. They were favored by 37 last guys standing. And I think they had, what, about 55, 60? So I, I do think they covered. Uh, there's a cool film speed change in this. What else did you like about this, Jason? The realism, the real realism that you felt watching. Like, I, I, I remember being blown back in my seat by that opening scene and just being like, you know, I don't know what it was really like, what the actual Roman infantry tactics were. But all I know is that looked good to me. That looked like what it was actually like. <laughs> Did the Romans actually have like like uh, catapults that sh- shot exploding uh, like oil canisters? I don't know, but that looked absolutely <laughs> realistic to me. And the scene when when we meet Maximus for the first time and he's doing that like paths of war walk down the trench and mm-hmm. all the soldiers are like, you can tell how much they respect him and he's stopping and giving all of them a little moment. He stops with it one centurion and gives him like a little punch in the stomach. That one scene sets up everything about this character. You buy from that moment that people will gravitate to this person. It doesn't matter that he's wearing a uniform or what, or he's wearing the uniform of a slave. You just buy it in that moment that that is a magnetic leader. Yeah, it feels like it when you're just through the screen as soon as it starts. It's, it's incredible character building without really saying any words. You're just like, I don't know what this guy is, but I know he's special. And that's such a hard thing to pull off in a movie. And Russell Crowe, to his credit, does it instantly. Like as soon as you see him and his hair is down and he's got those weird, his eyebrows are like scary, but not scary at the same time. And he's always looking up under his eye, out from under his eyes. And you're like, fuck yes, I'll follow this guy wherever he's going. Let's go. I think you could make the argument that no one has ever fucking 360 tomahawked a line reading like Russell Crowe does on my command, Unleash Hell. At my signal, Unleash Hell. I, right now, if Russell Crowe walked into my door and said, on my command, unleash hell, I would go play free safety for the Chargers. <laughs> <laughs> and I would I would play against zoo animals. I don't care what the, the circumstances were. If I was in Bavaria in the winter in 180, I would just be like, let's go, boss. You got it. You got it, man. Whatever you need from me, you want me to get my arm chopped off? Probably not going to get saved in surgery because they haven't invented surgery yet. Let's go. I'm ready. Yeah. It's the because he like, says it, that when they're when they're talking, he's like, probably some of y'all are gonna die. Don't worry about it. And they're all just like, ha, you're right. And they just keep on going. What uh what you think of the bear costumes of the guys that they they fought, Shay? Whatever the bear bear fur or whatever. Like just kind of kind of lame, right? Bad uniforms. No, I disagree. <laughs> there's no there's if if anybody walks into a room and in, inside of a bear, that's somebody you immediately have to take seriously. 
And there's a, they got fewer guys. They've got to do some stuff. This is the same as like you know war paint or whatever. They're trying. They're they're they're, they're trying to put. It's got to be out. a hindrance to the fighting though. You're wearing a fucking bear on you. I I, I, I don't know. I would rather personally have armor. Would be my move. <laughs> 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 I, I don't know. The, the heavy bear skin wouldn't be what I was looking for. Uh, Jason, you love when dogs and when dogs pretending to be wolves are involved in action scenes. One of your favorites. Well, I, you know, I, I was a little worried. Do we really need, like, what is the lifespan of these Roman war dogs has got to be, like, weeks? Yeah. I mean, yeah. this is not. Weeks. It's not, it's not a good look. When, when they say spay and neuter your pets, they're like, it's all right. They're not going to last that long. <laughs> they're not. One other thing I really like about this scene is I think scenes like this over the course of this century became too CGI'd. And yeah. this felt, for the most part, pretty authentic. I mean, there's some chicanery in there, but for the most part, it really did feel like guys were fighting. Yeah. And uh, and I think we lost that a little bit as this went along. All right, the next scene for uh, most rewatchable scenes. Man, we have a few to get through here. The uh, We talked about it earlier, but the king, played by Richard Harris, telling, telling Maximus he wanted him to be the king. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, and he says how Commodus cannot rule. He must not rule. And Commodus? Commodus is not a moral man. You have known that since you were young. Commodus cannot rule. He must not rule. You're the son that I should have had. I think one of the things I like about this scene, and he, we'll go into the history of how they made this movie when we do have Fessenden research, but... Um, they really spent a little extra time making sure they had a couple scenes where the characters are connecting in some way, mm-hmm. you know, in this scene, it's kind of, it's not just a, Hey, I want you to rule. I, I can't, my son's a fucking maniac. I can't give it to him. <laughs> it, it set, it's set up with Russell Crowe. It's like, so how's the family? He's going, well, you know, and it, they, they obviously, they established in like three minutes that these guys really like each other and that, that Richard Harris is a father figure to him. And, and it's subtle shit like that, that I think they miss sometimes with action movies or things where they don't have those little moments. Like in the Godfather, my favorite scene, in the Godfather is that scene with Michael and his dad, when his dad's near death and he's talking about, they're going to come at you. Whoever, whoever tries to arrange the meetings, a trainer and you need those movies like that. And I just like that. It's Russell Crowe and Richard Harris who, you know, now it's 2020 and probably people under 40. Richard Harris was one of the all-timers. You know, he was one of the best actors of a certain generation. Yeah, I think that really quickly, there's just something that's a nice, like, undercurrent secondary meta text to this movie, which is, like, the passing of a torch from a generation of actors to another. And you have, like, Derek Jacobi in the movie, Richard Harris, Oliver Reed, and then you've got Russell Crowe and Joaquin Phoenix. And so much of the movie is about, like, leaving behind a legacy, which obviously actors can do because you can watch their movies forever. So I always thought it was really cool the way they kind of have those cross-generational talks about that stuff. Next scene. Oh, do you want to put in... I guess we have to put in um, Maximus... uh, Not Maximus, uh, Commodus killing his dad. That seems pretty amazing. It's, it's pretty, yeah. not the most rewatchable yeah. scene. But I, mean, we just I don't have really to dial that up it. on YouTube that much. No, I, mean, like, <laughs> I got I five minutes before it. this meeting. I think I'll watch Commodus kill his dad. <laughs> ha- has to be mentioned. I had this in probably an answerable question. Shay, out of your three sons, who's the most likely to do the Commodus dad murder to you? Oh, wow. Oh, the youngest one. There's no, <laughs> there's no question about it. 
Like it's a, that, a, the hug that turns into something more. You're like, no. ah. As as soon as you started asking, I was like, he's probably out there plotting on that shit right now, <laughs> right outside the door with a knife. Uh, next one, Maximus escaping the uh, execution order, just wiping out Delicious. a bunch of dudes. Delicious. And then it's like, I got to get on the old, can you give me the noble soldier's death? Nope. Actually, I'm going to kill all of you. And then uh, hops on the horse. Unfortunately, this scene ends in a not so rewatchable way with the wife and son being. Uh, you have being, to stop it immediately. Yeah, like, you kind of have to he, stop. As soon as he kills the last guy, you're like done. What's what I really love about this scene, Bill, is that you and I very much love Taken, and we very much love the part where Liam Neeson ha- t- takes the bullets out of the gun. And the guy doesn't realize it because he's not done it in a while. And we get another version of that in this scene with swords, though. The guy's trying to take the sword out, and he's he must not be a soldier because uh, uh, Maximus is looking at him and just with total disdain. And he's like, "It's the frost. Sometimes it makes the blade stick." And you're like, "Oh fuck, you're dead. You're so dead. You're so you never you never stood a chance. You didn't even know about the frost sticking. You're fucking done." The frost. Sometimes it makes the blade stick. I have uh, all four gladiator fights as rewatchable scenes. So we'll just go through Uh, them quickly. And then we can pick which one we thought was the best one. The first gladiator fight. When. uh, (laughs) When. Which is a a shorter one, but ends with demon. How how do we say demon Hinshu? Jimon Hinshu. Jimon. Jimon Hinshu. Jimon Hinshu. The those guys collaborating on the chain clothesline, which yeah. is it's great. It's good shit. Op- also opens with the guy pissing himself, which is a cool right. like and Maximus like, oh, yeah, stepping back in disgust. Mm. This one is really really great because I I don't know if this is this has happened to you, but sometimes what will happen is if you're like at the park and you're playing pickup basketball, like you just go by yourself or with maybe one other person, and you get your next. And you have your like group of guys and you start playing. You don't really know anybody and you're not certain how it's going to turn out. And then it turns out you've got like two or three guys who are really fucking good. And you just when you just destroy like that's what happened here. They they all you've got Juba. You've got what's the other guy's name? Hagen, Hagen and, yeah. Ma- and, and Maximus all separate of each other. They don't know each other or anything about it. As soon as the fight starts, they all realize, OK, this other guy knows what he's doing. They're like the original Big three. They were the first big three. Just fucking came through. Those, those poor gladiator. The the people that were fighting, they had no clue what they were walking into. That was in a re- uh, deleted scene on the DVD when they, they're playing pickup basketball and the kind of those the three guys. Thing. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's didn't feel out of place because they didn't have basketball uh, back then. Uh, second gladiator fight has the Russell Crowe doing the "Are you not entertained?" Oh, yes, yeah, that's a classic clutch. And Clutch. he goes out and he goes, he goes ISO ball in that one, right? Yeah, yeah. he does. One on three, I think. No, it's like six. Is it's it like one on six? It's like six One on guys. six gives us the, are you not entertained speech? And then throws his sword throws the into sword the stands and spits killed on another the ground. Guy. Yeah. And everybody's like, <laughs> fuck Yeah. <laughs> Are you not entertained? Is this not why you are here? You know that people were coming back from uh, from the the Coliseum that day. Were like, man, I was just at the arena. Holy shit! Yeah, yeah, yeah. The dude killed six guys 
yelled at all of us for watching it, and then threw his sword <laughs> up into the stands. This is the difference between a guy who has been killing for his whole life yeah. versus some guys who are just hanging out outside. They had cool costumes on, cool outfits. But when he came walking down that tunnel and they get that great shot of him from up under like a superhero, the stuff is falling down. You're like, oh, That's a good one. Here, here we go. I was trying to think what NBA player over the course of history came the closest to the Are You Not Entertained performance during a basketball game. And I think it was LeBron James in game one of the 2018 finals when he basically was beating the Warriors by himself and then JR fucked it up right before <laughs> That's the fair. end and it went into overtime but he the way he carried himself that whole game where he's basically it's just him against this great Warriors team yeah. and he's putting up 50 and destroying them and he's like staring at the crowd and he had just kind of fully embraced his evil MJ at that point LeBron is a is a good comparison here because in the very next battle is when he puts a mask on the first time and you have like a, remember LeBron put that black mask on and he just oh, yeah, 40% more intimidating the, the, the great like when he throws a sword and he's just mad, like I really like when a person is disgusted that they have to do a thing. Cause this is a, co- this is like a common thing in movies. You have Maximus. He, he, he has this feeling about fighting in gladiator, Tommy Conlon and warrior. You remember, do you remember warrior? Oh, yeah. yeah. And he's at, oh, and every, time, every time he fights, he's just like, fuck this bullshit. And he just leaves immediately Monroe Hutchins and undisputed. He like, he don't want any part of this underground boxing ring in the, in prison. Like it's such a good, good, trick to do just have this guy really good at thing but he don't want to do it and you're making him do it and now everybody's got to fucking pay for it i am a big uh i'm a big fan of warrior and tom hardy's performance in that movie and and there is some shades of there's some maximus in that one uh the third gladiator fight we moved to the coliseum Mm -hmm. there's gambling Gambling. I saw the gambling odds board and I was the- like, I got like the shakes because I haven't made a sports bet <laughs> in like three months. I was like, oh, you can gamble on this? Can I get Hagen minus 240, please? <laughs> uh, we, have, uh, we have the slaves basically turning the tables on the barbarians. They had to be like, I don't know, plus 750 underdogs. They flip it around. They win. Commodus has the, wait a second, aren't the barbarians supposed to win? Uh, one liner, and then he does the. I think I'll meet him. They call him the Spaniard, sire. I think I'll meet him. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. And in the movie theater, if you hadn't seen this movie before, and Crow's got the mask on at this point, so Commodus doesn't know who he is. And when he says, "I think I'll meet him," it's like, Ooh. oh no, uh oh, yeah, oh, where, where, where's this going? <laughs> and uh, it's just such a great five, six minutes. And then it leads to. Uh... My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius, commander of the armies of the north, general of the Felix Legions, loyal servant to the true emperor, Marcus Aurelius, father to a murdered son, husband to a murdered wife. And I will have my vengeance in this life or the next ending with I will have my vengeance in this life for the next, which became, I would say the most quoted kind of movie line, multiple movie line thing of, of a couple years there. Yeah. The, I will have my vengeance 
was just mm-hmm. like a go-to throw it into everything. Right, this whole Chris? movie is a real staple center movie. Like they just like yeah, pump really scenes is. from this bef- like during Lakers games or during like you know you, you just see this at arenas where whether it's only shell uh, I will have my vengeance in this life. like you just it just gets you really jacked. <laughs> you know, that's a good point because that's Jason, wasn't this right around the time when they started ripping those clips and running them on the Jumbotrons. I remember going to Celtic games. It was, this, it was early 2000s. And it was this. Oh, yeah. It was uh, Braveheart. Miracle. Uh, Miracle. Yeah, Miracle. Yeah. Hoosiers had one where they, the Hoosiers clap. And there was probably, like, I don't know, seven or eight OGs for that. I mean, among the many things that this movie is, it's a great sports movie from a certain point of view. This was sports in, in 180 AD. And you feel that feeling in the when they're in the Coliseum and the and the fans are chanting the gambling, as you said, it, it really feels like a sports movie. And you would understand why teams and pro athletes would want to, you know, co-opt that that message in those scenes. I think for for me that this gladiator fight is this is the most rewatchable scene for me. The one when they come to the come to Rome play in the Coliseum because it's like, it, it goes on for so long. It, first of all, it's a perfect set piece. The buildup is incredible when they're out there and Maximus is like, okay, is anybody in the army? And most of them, a bunch of them say yes. And one guy's like, I served with you. And then he starts giving orders and they're like, and you can tell immediately that he's going to take control of this situation. And then the action is unbelievable. And you have all those like cutaways to like, uh, to communist mugging in the box, which are amazing. There's the one where where uh, Juba throws Maximus his sword towards the mm-hmm. end of the fight, and he catches it and he spins it around in his hand. Yeah. And, then, <laughs> and then communist is up in the box doing like this hand motion and going, ooh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you have the whole speech. And that, and then it keeps going. You have them going down in the elevator back to where all the gladiators hang out. And the chanting that's just shaking the whole coliseum i mean that's that's a scene that gives me chills and then walking through that crowd as all of them are like oh my god this is this is the dude this is our lebron this is our mj this is we never expected to see a warrior like this like all these hardened gladiators giving that kind of respect to this guy it's it's a chill inducing scene yeah, when they do the last dance about Maximus, I think this would be the best episode. <laughs> the, uh, also, they did a nice job with the Coliseum too. When they when they do Co- Commodus's forty eight hours in Vegas, <laughs> <laughs> I knock on the saying, door and he's in there. He's in there with his sister, yeah, Dr- <laughs> drinking cocaine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> People are on Twitter the next day going, I didn't realize Commodus was so cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What a great guy. Uh, the fourth gladiator fight includes tigers. Mm-hmm. It includes Maximus killing a really a spirited fight with a guy with an eyes wide shut mask that he ends up finally taking down, but not killing. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then uh, Commodus comes back down to try to really taunt him. Cause at that point he knows he can't kill him because the Spaniard is too powerful. And he does that whole thing like they they tell me your son squealed like a girl mm. and and they tell me your wife hard. moaned like a whore mm. and, and Max misses like <laughs> <laughs> you can see his temples pulsating. Uh, so we got that one. And then we have 
All right, so out of those four gladiator fighters, we all think the third one is the the most rewatchable. Right? The third out one is the four. one where he organizes everybody, right? Yeah, yeah. and the, yeah. That's and the, the chariots and yeah, everyone chanting. That that moment yeah. where he's like, "Has anyone here served in the military?" You're yeah, just yeah. like, "Fuck, what is he gonna do?" Yeah. yeah. What What I really like about what, what I really like about this one, a couple of things is when he starts doing that whole "Who served in the military," um, he's already getting everybody ready, and he says, "Whatever comes out of these gates." We've got a better chance of survival if we work. Now, this is a guy who you just saw by himself kill six guys in front of you, yeah. like no problem. And he, you can see he's a little bit nervous about, I don't know what's going to come out of here, but I know it's going to be bad. And it immediately sets the stakes. Here we go. But that's also the first time that he fights in front of Commodus and he knows Commodus is there. So you know he's fired the fuck up. You know there's no way he's going to lose this battle. You've got a bunch of great, you've got the woman who gets cut in half. You've got the horse, the guy that crashes into the wall. Like all of these really great, great things. And then the one shot, the one, this is my single favorite shot of the entire movie is when he's on the horse and he's like spinning around. And he's looking and he's like, single column, single column. And they're all going and, and you, you, you feel it. Your whole body, your, your thighs are tingling. And you're just like, let's fucking go. Like, kill them all. Kill. Like, it's so much. This is the one. This is hands down. This is all of this the other the battle jam. scenes are, are great. I love watching them go, go one on six. I love that first scene when you realize he's got some guys who can fight with him. It's cool watching them shake off a tiger in the middle of a fight. It's cool seeing him get injured. And still put Commodus down very much like Isaiah spraining spraining his ankle and still putting up 25, but ultimately losing the game. Like, but the third one, that's that's the one right yeah, there. Yeah, Bill, I don't know if you have other scenes to recommend, but this one almost has like Flight of the Valkyries problems where it's like the movie peaks here. It's it's almost yeah. tough. It's almost tough for the movie to climb back in terms of intensity because it can't get any better than that. The only yeah. other ones for rewatchable I had was when uh before Commodus and Maximus have their big fight, when Commodus goes up to him. That's great. He's in, he's in the handcuffs and he does the The General who became a slave. They call for you. The general who became a slave. The slave who became a gladiator. The gladiator who defied an emperor. Crow's like, you would fight me? And yeah. he's like, why not? Do you oh. think I'm afraid? And he goes, I think you've been afraid your whole life. It's a fucking dagger. You would fight me. Why not? Do you think I'm afraid? I think you've been afraid all your life. Your whole <laughs> life. And so yeah. I fucking dunk on him. This is such a beautiful scene because this is supposed to be Commodus's domain. Like he's the talker. He's the guy who should be able to just shit talk you into oblivion. And he gives everything he's got at, at Maximus and Maximus just shrugs him off totally. And you know, right there, you know how this movie is going to end in that exact moment. Like, okay, you 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 got to die. Jason, what was his injury? You think stab stabbed him like under the breastplate it, for sure. He got him in pretty deep in the show in the shoulder, but I think it's clearly a poison dagger. Mm hmm. So he was feeling oh. some stuff. Yeah, clear, clearly some kind of uh, illegal substance on the dagger. And that was more than anything else what was causing uh, Maximus to, to lose it. Chris, where would, you, where would you put it against the flu game? <laughs> <laughs> Maximus I think, winning. I, think this is, I mean, if the flu game, are we to believe, is actually the hangover game, 
you know, Maximus actually not only bleeding out, but never, never calls for a doctor, never has any Gatorade, just kind of like <laughs> tries to stop the bleeding with one hand while going after him with the left. So I think it, it tops flu game. This was the poison game. All right. So we have the third gladiator fight uh, when he reveals his mask and all that as most rewatchable. What's age the best? I like when when uh, Maximus says to the king at the beginning, there's no one left to fight, sir. And, and the king goes, there's always someone left to fight. Just matter of fact. But by the way, great point. Not wrong. Uh, yeah. We've learned that over the over uh, the next 2000 years. <laughs> the uh, the dad bear hug. Wanted to mention that again. I really enjoyed the gladiator fighting combine before uh, before yeah. the yeah, first fight. Yeah, yeah. I thought Rich Eisen maybe could have been yeah. there announcing and doing the forty yard dashes and stuff. Michael Irvin, just have Michael Irvin sweating, <laughs> yeah. being like, "This Maximus guy reminds me of myself at the U." <laughs> when you, when we first go to the to the gladiator combine, if you look in the background, there's like uh, I, it's it might be Hagen or someone like throwing a spear into someone else's yeah. gut, and like it, just it's, it, it kills them. <laughs> Yeah, just, killing it. Oh, that's uh, you hate to see that at the combine this early. Somebody gets speared this early. We'll have to get him off. That it's just crazy that they, it's trading. They're just yeah, straight got spearing yellow dudes immediately. Yeah. Give me. Oh, he's yellow. He's yellow. We needed uh, Daniel Jeremiah there going. Maximus, you know the Spaniard. He he's the total package, Chris. Yeah. He's five to a guy. He can run. He can hit. Um, now, why is he letting why is he letting Hagen just beat him with the wooden sword? Do we have any idea what the strategy is here? <laughs> yeah, it's very weird, but I'm sure he has a plan. Right. He's trying to drop it. Well, you know, a lot of people have surmised that he's trying to drop his draft stock. He has probably has a side deal with a specific team. He doesn't, he doesn't want, want to show what he has right away. Another would say it's the best. The am I not merciful when he screams at his sister, Commodus? Apparently ad lib by Joaquin Phoenix, and wow. that's why she's so startled and frightened when it happens. I just want to say really quickly that you know this we'll get into this probably in half s in research, but this movie was gone through went through so many rewrites that the the amount of people who take credit for lines in this movie is really stunning. Yeah. It's like it's like every good line, it's like, oh yeah, I just kind of made that up on the set. It's like <laughs> you came up with Unleash Hell on set in front of Ridley Scott, and then that right. was just it. I like that though. When when a script is in complete chaos, everybody could just create whatever reality they want, right? Like any extra given, like, yeah, you know, I was talking to Russell, we're having a cigarette. I was like, what about this? <laughs> like, how would somebody prove you wrong? I also like when um, when Joaquin Phoenix says he shouldn't be alive. It vexes me. I'm very vexed. vexed. I'm very vexed. <laughs> I never heard vex used in, uh, he goes in a movie back like to that. Back. Any other uh, what's age the best for you guys? Overall, Joaquin Phoenix's performance in this movie is flawless. Like there's not one single line. There's not one single word he could have said differently. There's not one single face he could have made differently that would mm -hmm. make this any better. It's as This is as good of a of, of a showing that you get in a movie that you will ever get for your entire life. I really like that one. I also like the line when, uh, after they realize that Maximus is alive and he sees his, he sees, uh, what's the guy's name? Uh, Tommy Flanagan is his real character's name. Uh, Quintus. The the, Quint, yeah, yeah. Uh, something like that. No, Cicero. Sorry, Cicero. 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 And he's like, tell the men their general lives. I just, I love it. I remember that. I got that same message, um, Bill, after... They let you go or you left ESPN 
And then I heard it like a week later. Tell the tell the men their general. I was like, yeah, he's alive. I should have sent that email. Yeah, that's how I should have phrased it. Should have been the subject heading. What's it? You know, uh, in a post Game of Thrones world, I'll tell you what's aged the best: incest suggestions yeah. of incest. The incest community, the incest community is out here, and they are proud. They're prouder today than they have ever been. It's not like it was in 2000 when this movie released and 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 Commodus had to skulk around in the dark. He could have been just out there on Front Street like, yeah, guess what? Yeah. Pure blood. Pure me, blood. Me and Lucilla, we're keeping the blood pure. And people be like, yes, good, brave. I, I love when, when Danny wanted to do that with Jon Snow. Pure blood is a good one. That's, that's, yeah. that's a really good one to drop there in a the movie. Uh, Chris, any other what's age the best before we move on? No, this is the this is the best sword and sandal fight scenes I've ever seen. Okay. So the fight scenes in this movie. <laughs> what's age the worst? You could probably shave 15 minutes out of this movie pretty easily. Maybe 12, but it it does there is there is some kind of laborious. All right, let's get to the next part thing that if you know, could this have been a really really tight 125 minute mm. movie versus two and a half hours. Like, yeah, maybe, but it's part of its charm too. So I don't know. It's a slight what's age the worst. I find the, uh, the Elysium stuff and like the cutaways to the greeny field, grainy fields where like horses are running. And that's just kind of a crutch. And that, that was like the most yeah. obvious, like we're writing this script as we're shooting. And so they had yeah. to go in and be like, you know what we need here? A quick shot of wheat maybe a horse running through a field, maybe a, a castle nobody knows about. And then that's, that's like heaven. So I, 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 I get it. And I get like the idea of like your name ringing out through eternity and being reunited with your family. It's very meaningful, but it, it, I feel like it, it on the 15th viewing of this movie on cable, you're just kind of like fast forwarding past the, the heaven stuff. Yeah, It's like, Oh, so he has like a psychic connection where he can, he knows what's happening with his family. I, I agree. I don't, it's not like I hate it, but I do think that those kind of like weird interstitials where he's he's seeing his door to his house and touching the wheat and seeing his family calling to him. I thought that was that stuff is a little it doesn't quite hit for me. I would also say to Chris's previous point of like how the movie really kind of peaks after the first gladiator fight in Rome, you know, like the 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 Roman Republic stuff and we have to save the Republic and, the, and, and particularly like the lat, like after he dies, like who will carry him this kind of like grasping for like a bigger message about democracy, that stuff kind of misses for me. Like that's to me, it's just about Maximus and his quest for revenge against this villain Commodus. Um, the, all the rest of it, like how will we, how will we reinstitute the Senate? Yada, yada, yada. That stuff is kind of hit or miss. Um, I'm with you guys. Oliver Reed's last scene looks super fake. I mean, kudos to them though, for pulling off, even had it have him in the movie after he was dead. They did not have the technology to do this in 2000. So they use, they used a deleted clip of a different scene. They're going in to kill him. And then, and then all of a sudden he's just like almost in a different setting and he Says some weird line and they kill him. But yeah, it, it it looks pretty shaky in 2020. One of the great last call performances too. Like what a heat oh check to God. just go out talking about queer giraffes and just being like, ah, Maximus. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> what a, this dude absolutely chewed, mauled the scenery. Like he is, <laughs> he was the very first time you meet him, he's grabbing a dude's nuts and squeezing and talking about his giraffes. 
he comes in like so hot and it is an unbelievably hammy performance by Oliver Reed. One last thing on Oliver Reed. And I have this as a what stage the worst because I think it would have made the movie slightly better. Maximus was supposed to fight Proximo in the Coliseum after being captured um, as like the kind of semifinals fight before he fights Commodus and they had Oliver Reed died. They had to rewrite that. But I, I think it would have been fun to watch him. Proximo sells him out when he's trying to escape and then they fight in the Coliseum and he kills him. Would have been that would have been, that would have been cool. Casting what ifs. We mentioned uh, Mel Gibson and Antonio Barris and Ben Darris and uh, Hugh Jackman considered. Who knows if that's true? But then uh, the other one that's interesting, Russell Crowe had just filmed The Insider with uh, Christopher Plummer who he really liked. And he really pushed for Ridley Scott to cast him as Marcus Aurelius. And Ridley Scott was like, yeah, cool. I, I got Richard Harris. We're good. <laughs> but apparently they went uh, back and forth on that. Best couple quick acting categories. Best that guy, a.k.a. the Joey Pants Award. We mentioned Tommy Flanagan as Cicero. That's my guy. The, uh, That's my guy. Uh, very loyal to Maximus. He was the guy with the big scar on his face. And then... Uh, the guy who played the giant gladiator guy who was hitting Maximus at the beginning and then mm-hmm. ended up becoming like a real ally for him. Kind of his, his Horace Grant, I would say. I think uh, <laughs> a lot of, lot of basketball. Was a lot of basketball. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that guy's name is Rafe, Ralph, Rafe Moeller. Rafe or Ra- Ralph Moeller. And he's been in a bunch of bad action movies that Shay's probably seen. But I, I think... <laughs> I think Tommy Flanagan gets this because he's, if I see him in anything, I'm like, oh, the guy from Gladiator with the scar on his face. Like, that's kind of who he is. For me, it's the opposite. I'm like, oh, it's Chibs from Sons of Anarchy. Right. He had a whole run in that, right? Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, The Vincent Hanna, she's got a great ass award for overacting. We had a reader suggest, why was it the Vincent Hanna They Knew Award? Because Mark Ruffalo was the one who said they knew. Yeah. Well, he was just like, just call it the Vincent Hanna. She's got a great ass award because then you could scream. She's got a great ass every time you do the category. Chris, you want to take the honors this time? Because she's got a great ass. Nailed it. I am. Uh, I'm giving this award unless you guys disagree to Oliver Reed. As Jason yeah, mentioned, chewed yeah. up a lot of the scenery as the uh, yeah. Dana White of of Roman Gladiator stuff. He he he's dialed it up a couple times. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the the stick this into another man's flesh line is just elite. Thrust this into another man's flesh, and they will applaud and love you for that. You, you may begin to love them for that. Mm -hmm. So, in the research, apparently Russell Crowe became very close friends with Sir Richard Harris during the filming. But Oliver Reed took an instant dislike to him. And at one point, he challenged Russell Crowe to a fight. That's just in the half-assed internet research. I don't know if it's Jesus. true. I think, I think Russell Crowe wins that one, though. The Dion Waiters Award for uh, Best Heat Check. I, is it wrong to give this to Richard Harris? He's in two or three scenes, and he's fucking great in it. He's awesome. I, I, don't, I don't know if they, I don't. It's an unusual Dion Waiters Award, because I think you actually could have potentially seen him nominated for Best Supporting Actor or something. But other than that, I don't have any other ideas for this. I mean, where do you put John, uh, Jamin Hansu in here? It's fine. I don't feel like he's simmering. I don't, yeah. I don't feel like it's like a Dion Waiters performance. The only other guy that I have for Dion is the German general who holds the head. 
Because <laughs> he's like, I'm going to be in this movie for nine seconds. And they're gonna remember me. <laughs> I'm owning this. I do like I do like Ralph a lot. The guy you mentioned earlier, Mo, he's he's a. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. For me, the the first time I saw him was this movie called Best of the Best Two. He plays a character named Brockus. He's like the main bad guy, and they do yeah. like a, a gladiator style fight. And this was one of those times early in my life where you see them in a movie, and you're like, oh shit, I I, 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 I like this guy a lot. And he has that great scene when they're all sitting together. And Maximus, they call him for his food, like general, and they give him the bowl, and he's just sort of looking at it. And he's so much bigger than everybody else, he just reaches over and spoons it, see if there's poison in there. And yeah. then he like makes a joke just in the middle of this, like you're a, you're a gladiator death fighter, but you've got jokes. He just starts laughing. They all start smiling. It's sweet. Give me that's my pick. I gotta get my guy in there. Jason, Richard Harris, <sighs> or or Hagen. Hagen. I'm going to go Hagen because we've yes. never seen him again. Yes. We've just never seen him again. Where has he been? <laughs> I always love a character switch, you know, like a character turn when there is that, um, whenever there's a character who is against the hero for a particular period of time in the movie, but then all of a sudden gets won over and that's Hagen. Mm-hmm. Hagen all of a sudden is just like, well, he saved me. He didn't have to after I had the arrow through my leg and then he laid over me when the chariot wheel blade went over us. Uh-huh. This guy's okay, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I'll go with Hagen. Recasting couch. I'm just going to throw this at you guys. What if we put Angelina Jolie in the Connie Nielsen part here as Lucilla? Can't no? do it. Lucilla, can't do it. Can't do it. Yeah, you think Connie Nelson? Connie Nielsen's just perfect. Can't do better. She's great. She's great, and I also think that Angelina Jolie almost overpowers Commodus. Like it's yeah. kind of hard to imagine Commodus like having it, making her feel like she's living in a prison of fear. Yeah, right. Connie Nielsen, you don't really know a lot about her. Kind of works, but with Angelina Jolie, you'd be like, this. She's gonna stab him in the throat and take over. Yeah, y- yeah. You need somebody who can look terrified. There's a, a really good scene when Commodus is like finally going to make his move and he lays down with her. Yeah, and she's and just, just like, like stiff as a board. And she she's just staring up and he's like, open yeah. your mouth. And she just looks petrified. You need somebody who can do that trick right there. Angelina Jolie, after you see her in like Wanted or whatever, like you never You're again. That <laughs> All right, yeah. we'll go with plan B for this then. Kevin Garnett in the diamond his shoe part. <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. See, I knew no. Chase would be with no. me. Yeah. Whoa. KG, because he doesn't have a lot of lines. He we have to. Be, he's got to be able to fight with Russell Crowe. I'm just throwing it out there. Here's the no. issue. Now, here's the issue, though, especially when you're doing uh, period movies set in antiquity. You have to be able to do that classical i.e. English accent. You have to sound like you're from somewhere else long ago. And can KG can KG pull a stage English accent? TBD. But if he can do it, then I'm on board. But I I have that caveat. I would have loved to have seen it. All right, uh, we're gonna take one more break, then do half fast internet research. Hey, if you love movies, wanted to tell you about the big picture that Sean Fantasy's podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network. Right now, he is cranking out content left and right because we have a lot of movies uh, that are just video on demand releases and things like that. And they're also doing some fun top 10 all time, different gimmicks and things like that. So if you like Sean on the rewatchables, don't forget to check out the big picture, the smartest movie podcast around that is on the ringer podcast network. It's available on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. They spent an extra 3.2 million to 
fake some of the Oliver Reed footage. In real life, Marcus Aurelius, not murdered by, by Commodus. He died uh, during the Antonin Plague in 180 AD, which swept the, an epidemic that swept through the Roman Empire. Commodus was known as the gladiator, gladiator emperor, would routinely just go in there and fight people and kill them. Didn't seem like a great guy, according to Wikipedia. Um, often took people with missing limbs or other disabilities into the arena, tied them together and clubbed them to death. So that, that after a while, it's people tough. didn't really like that that much. Um, and it says, initially revered for his hunting and combat prowess, the populace turned against him. So he ruled with his dad for three years. His dad died. Commodus took over for the next 12 in real life and then was strangled in his bath by the wrestler Narcissus. That's how he died. <laughs> I, don't, okay. I don't know what happened, but I, I don't know why there hasn't been a WWE wrestler named Narcissus yet because that's what a fucking great name that is. Uh, Maximus, fictional or non-fictional? What do you guys think? He's real in my life. And also it was Russell Crowe who did it. <laughs> That's right. As I said earlier, uh, after seeing the opening scenes of this movie, I believe that all of this is historically accurate. That's right. Chris? Yeah, no, I don't, I don't care. I believe it's accurate. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> it's, it's the fake news of Rome. Yeah. Well, well, they made him up. He was a fictional character. Uh, <laughs> Lucilla implicated in a plot to assassinate her brother in 182 AD, good. along with her stepson, exiled, then executed by his order. So oh, that's, that's how she died. Good. That's less so good. So they, they used that one. Uh, uh, Russell, Russell Crowe injuries during the movie. Lost all feeling in his right forefinger for two years during one of the sword fights. <laughs> Aggravated an Achilles tendon injury. <laughs> Broke a foot bone, cracked a hip bone, and popped a few bicep tendons out of their sockets. Also got hurt uh, during the opening battle scene and actually got cut when he landed somewhere and had stitches that you can actually see in one of the scenes. So there you go on that. Bill. Uh, yeah. Can you imagine the uh, the blog posts in ancient Rome about load management? <laughs> <laughs> guys, guys, I don't know if we really need to be mindful about whether our gladiators are getting enough sleep. <laughs> you know <laughs> and then like maybe we, we could do like trend pieces like why right. peanut butter is sweeping the gladiators <laughs> Hagen is not fighting in this in this particular gladiator bout uh taking a taking a home match off this is unprecedented but he says he's tired yeah all the all these people from the Greek quarter they paid to come to the Colosseum to see Maximus, <laughs> and now they're going to be told that he's taking a night off for load management. Also, read my article about how water is the newest sensation among gladiators: <laughs> drinking water, non sewer water. Then Henry Abbott zags and blames the owners for the gladiators. Why aren't we looking higher? What about the owners who condone this gladiator violence? Uh, so the gladiator effect apparently was real, according to a giant New York Times piece, because uh, for whatever reason, nobody gave a shit about any of this era for years in movies. And then it made a huge comeback. And we saw a whole historical epic genre run with movies that were mostly bad. Troy, The Alamo, King Arthur, Alexander, 300. That was a win. Kingdom of Heaven, Robin Hood, Robin Hood and... Uh, Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones apparently stepped into this, Jason. Wow. I don't know. I, it wasn't on my radar. 
I don't know. Well, I mean, Troy, there, is, Troy, there is a fight. There is a fight in a gladiator arena on an alien planet in that movie. Yes, Troy is good. We should. I just want to make sure that we're stated. Uh, Troy is good. You said Troy was not good. I greatly enjoy Troy. Um, I was disappointed by Troy, but I think I felt the opposite as I did with Gladiator, where I was so pleasantly, happily, delightfully surprised by Gladiator, mm-hmm. and with Troy, the you know that was like when the 2010 Miami Heat came together. <laughs> Where you're just like this, they have to win 70 games. I just don't feel like Troy won 70 games. They did. They didn't. They're, they they're like a second round playoff team. I'm going to I'm going to change everyone's life who loves sword and sandal movies and is like, what's another good one? Kingdom of Heaven director's cut. Also Ridley Scott. This is the clutchest of clutch calls, folks. Rent it now on your streaming channel of choice, and enjoy. Okay. There you go. Uh, there's a lot of sequel talk about this movie. <laughs> we yeah. we even were texting about it a little bit last night. There's been 15 years of sequel talk, including at one point in the mid-2000s, them trying to figure out a Godfather 2 going back and forth in time where you could have basically a prequel with Maximus and then a postquel with uh, Lucius. <laughs> yeah, postquel. That's just, that's just a sequel. <laughs> Or a sequel, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> uh, and now, even the last couple of years, they were talking about a Lucius sequel built around uh, mm. Connie Nielsen's son. Um, I, I, how old is Ridley Scott now? Like eighty? He's still cranking him out, yeah. man. Yeah. yeah, don't rule him out. Can I do? Can I do five seconds on the Nick Cave sequel? Yeah, do it. Okay, so at one point, producers uh, and Russell Crowe approached the musician and soundtrack composer and also very accomplished writer Nick Cave, who you may know from The Birthday Party or Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, just incredible bands, Grinder Man too. Uh, and he was in, uh, asked to write a se- sequel for Gladiator and came up with um, Gladiator 2, which would involve Maximus being resurrected from hell to come back and fight for Rome and then time-traveling through the years fighting in like World War II and eventually ending up as like a Pentagon general in modern times, Nick Cave said that he wanted to call the movie Christ Killer and it was deemed like the one of the more crazy scripts that's ever been written and you can find it online now if you search for Nick Cave Gladiator script, Gladiator script, you can read it. It is bonkers. Jason, if you were going to become a screenwriter, would you be you or would you just take the pseudonym Nick Cave? Because I can't imagine a better byline than Nick Cave. What are you a writer? What's your name? I'm Nick Cave. I'm Nick Cave. Uh, no longer with the bad seeds. I will say, like one of the things that really struck me rewatching this is the level of quality of action that this movie gives you. We're just not used to in 2020 seeing this kind of action movie and not having it be teed up for sequels. Right. You know, like if they made this now, if Gladiator came out in 2019, 2020, it would be get ready for Gladiator one, two, for two and three. Yeah. Um, immediately. So oh, they that, would probably, so, they would probably have made the deals for the first three. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It would have been like yeah. over so, the so, course of five years. Yeah. That's a really notable thing and a really interesting thing going back to rewatch this. It's like, wow, they're just, it's just over part of the power of this movie is that he dies at the end. And that just wouldn't happen if if you saw an action movie of comparable quality that came out today. Apex Mountain, Russell Crowe. Yes. Yeah. I vote yeah. yes. Yeah. I vote yes. yes as well. I think I think he peaks. And and he also coming out of this movie has as much career 
cachet to do whatever the fuck he wants, including steal Meg Ryan from Dennis Quaid. Like he's really, it's an all-time heat check after this. I think this is also Hans Zimmer, Apex Mountain. Ooh, great call. Oh, wow. Yeah. Hans Zimmer. Yeah. Where did, can you give me your, your, uh, your favorite Hans in order? Okay, it's this. Han, it's this. Uh, any number of the themes. The, no, a guy's the, name Hans, not uh, Hans Zimmer. <laughs> Hans Gruber. Hans, so it's Hans Gruber one. That's Hans how I feel. Zimmer, then Hans from Hans and Franz, and then it's the field. Can we are, can we put Hans Solo in there, or is it Hans or Han? <laughs> no, it has to be Hans. <laughs> you got to you got to put Hans from Inglorious Bastards at least in third place. Shay. You could have gone. You could have gone Han Serrano for one of your kids. I feel like potentially <laughs> could have maybe worked. maybe uh, more Apex Mount. Connie Nielsen, unquestionably yes. Gladiator movies, yeah, for sure. Mm, yeah, I mean, is, do you do you think that this is better than Spartacus? I think Spartacus might have been bigger. Yeah, I like this better than Spartacus. Bill, I'm just saying for impact in the moment, I, I think Spartacus might have actually somehow been bigger than this. Yes, I think yeah. people went and yeah. saw Spartacus like 12 times. You know? Yeah, and I think Kirk Douglas came out of Spartacus as the biggest star in the world for yeah. a few years there. Uh, incest, no. I think it peaks later in Game <laughs> Thrones. of Thrones. Yeah. Um, how about Touching Wheat? I was going to say that. Yes, this is, <laughs> this is taking a move that happens a lot in Days of Heaven. They do this in Days of Heaven. They touch wheat a yeah. lot. You know, like in the late 70s, early 80s, touching wheat starts to go mainstream, but it really, really <laughs> goes pro in Gladiator, where touching wheat becomes this. a signifier <laughs> of being completely yeah. connected to the universe right. and nature and like the and the time continuum. And in, and it, now it's just like everybody touches wheat. Terrence Malick is like the velvet underground of touching wheat. <laughs> yeah. So yes, Bill, great call. Great call. <laughs> yeah. That was Chris's original name for his Chauncey Billups blog was Touching, touching Weed. Weed. It, did, <laughs> it didn't catch on. He had to audible it. Uh, any other Apex Mountain? That's all I have. Picking nits? It, I mean, if we're really in real life doing this, he's just killing He's killing the Spaniard immediately after that fight. Yeah. He's not we letting this guy till, live for five No, minutes. wait, wait, wait. You take some bad What's PR with, for like two ride days till dawn? and then you yeah. don't worry about it. Yeah. Why do they tell yeah. him to ride till dawn? Just kill him outside the tent. What's the big yeah, deal? He's, he's having an accident. If this guy murdered his father, I'm pretty sure he's okay with killing Maximus within yeah. three minutes. The geography is a big nit for me. So he's fighting in Germany. Then he rides to Spain over how many, like how long is that trip? And he gets there. When, when you see that, when, if you rewatch that scene, I didn't notice it until this last time. Uh, his hair is like crazy long in that one scene when he's on the horse and he's like, how the f- how long has he been on this fucking horse? What's I think the only, on way, the only way we know it was a long time was the horse literally collapses. <laughs> <laughs> the, the load management of the horse was not handled properly. Uh, any nitpicks for you, Chris? No, I mean, there's a couple of, uh, so this guy can ride a horse from Germany to Spain and, you know, like that kind of stuff where it's just like, that's, that's some, that's, we're talking like nine months, you know, to get, to get across <laughs> Europe uh, so there's a few few things like that, and but my biggest one is is like in the beginning when they're gonna have him assassinated is taking him out way into the forest. That just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Okay. Uh, best quote we mentioned a bunch of them. I like what we do in life that goes till eternity. Well, you are in Elysium, and you're already dead, <laughs> brothers. 
What we do in life echoes in eternity. Good senior year book quote. Uh, at my single unleash hell. It's we mentioned most of that. That one wins. Could this be remade as a ten episode Netflix show? I would be upset if they did this. It was. I, my advice would be not to do this, but of course. Um, but I'm saying we do this specific thing. Just be like we've blown out the Russell Crowe movie as a ten episode. They haven't done that. I've no, been. but they did Rome a couple years yeah. later, yeah, and I think that. Jail. And and I honestly like the more that we've talked about it over the course of this podcast. I bet Benioff and Weiss crushed this movie to, but before they made Game of Thrones. Oh, I had that in unanswerable. Yeah. Well, let's just go there now. Um, so I did Gladiator pave the way for Game of Thrones. We mentioned uh, Joffrey and Commodus. Maximus has a pet wolf incest set in in older time where there's big big ass battle scenes the battle scene especially the first battle scene very similar to uh, some game of thrones what else jason any other similarities uh i mean i you know swords and mysticism and all that stuff but i think you've covered it also the globe trotting going from like northern europe celtic kind of vibes to north african to european mediterranean like having all that stuff in there is 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 a real game of geography thrones. issues yeah <laughs> uh a little boy in danger yeah i guess that one's there as well <laughs> yeah you can feel a little uh uh shay one of the i i always ask you one great question when we do a rewatchables together i'm ready and i never prepare you either for the question i'm ready so you're about to fight in the Coliseum and you're in the locker room and they have all the equipment there and people can pick all these different masks. They can pick armor, like all these looks. What mask would you have gone for? Do I have to pick one out of the gladiator world or can I pick like any mask? No, no, no. Me? It's that you just, what they showed, they basically, you have the, you have the helmet armor thing where you can see your face. You have the Russell Crowe cover thing or you have that giant fucking helmet thing. I think those were the three, right? Was there another one? No, they have like an animal helmet that you can pick as well. But this is yeah, this I would is, not. I didn't like the animal helmet. Seems sweaty. My problem that I make oftentimes, and I just made this recently, is I I I forego practicality and I just like I'm going to pick whatever the coolest looking thing is. So I think if I found myself in this situation, I end up taking the big gladiator mask that he pulls down because I think that one looks cool. But then as soon as you put it on, you realize you can only see something if it's right in front of you. Like if right. they're a little to the left or the right, their eye holes don't work. You're fucked. But that's what I'm going with. And I'm just going to keep on. I'm going to do, do this shit over and over again. Jason, I feel like you go no helmet. Like the hockey players yeah, I need in the to, late I, 80s. I, like, <laughs> I, think, I feel like my vision, my vision, field of vision would be much more important than some facial protection. If I get crunched in the face with an axe it's gonna hurt regardless and i'm gonna be done so like i want to see what's going on chris baseball hat no i probably get a mask of my own face just for the memes you know and it's just like <laughs> take the mask off and it's my same face just to, like sting <laughs> yeah I, I i would just want to go viral <laughs> uh we mentioned this earlier i had this written down does this qualify as a sports movie yes yeah for yeah. sure Absolutely. Not mentioned as a sports movie, but I kind of feel like it should be. Like, why it's is got this training montages, halftime yeah. speeches, and championship games. It's a, and a, gladi- is, yeah. and a gladiator combine. Yeah. Uh, Jason, this question is for you. Commodus, more of an incest guy or a pedophilia guy? <laughs> if you had to say, like, what really floats his boat the most? 
I, I think a clear incest guy. I think, yeah. you know, his his interest in <laughs> uh, his sister's son, his nephew, was just mainly because he wanted to have a nuclear family with his sister. Yeah. It's mainly just about, he's he's an incest guy. I think he's also like a guy, he, he doesn't relate to other men as much as he does to younger boys because he's kind of like, his, his development has been, of, yeah. yeah. So probably two-thirds incest guy, maybe one-third. I never got, pe- I never got yeah. pedophilia from... From Joaquin, that didn't. That wasn't something that occurred to me either. Yeah, yeah. When he's standing over the bed, staring at the kid, and the sister comes in horrified, like, "Oh my I, god, I'm glad I got here." He's time. considering killing them. He's like, "What do I? How do I manipulate this kid?" He's not like, "How do I kiss this child?" He's like, "What can I do?" I don't this know. Kid? I felt like everything was on moment. the table with Commodus. <laughs> um, the uh, just a random thought, a random thing I put in the wrong category. The wife of Maximus in this movie, played by Giannina Fascio, married Ridley Scott in 2015. Damn. Didn't know that. All right. Didn't know Weird. that. Weird. Forgot to mention that. Uh, last one. I don't, Maybe I'm the one to answer this one. What WWE plot was this with yeah, you, Maximus? You this I was thinking it, it reminds me of Stone Cold Steve Austin with Vince McMahon. He's working for Vince McMahon, but then he's feuding with them and the crowd is moving towards Stone Cold. And it's basically, the weird thing is it's two years before this movie. So I don't know if it inspired uh, Gladiator. <laughs> any uh, any other unanswerable questions? I have we none. We good? Okay. I have none. No. Who won the movie? Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe. Joaquin Phoenix. Wheat. Oh, I knew Shay was going to do that. I knew it. Fields knew of it. wheat. You knew it. It's like when the year when they voted Carl Malone for MVP. Shay just had the zig. <laughs> he had the zig okay. on us. Everyone okay. else was zagging. <laughs> that was your Carl Malone vote. Uh, right. All right. Gladiator, we did this. Wow, in less than an hour and a half with four people. I'm really proud of you guys. Out of way. Uh, out of way. It's great stuff. Shay, Chris, Jason, always a pleasure to talk to you guys. Thank you. See you in eternity. Yo. That's it for the rewatchables. We have another one coming this week. I'll give you the movie now so you have time to watch it. Groundhog Day, 30th anniversary. It's going to be me, Sean Fantasy, and a very special guest, a celebrity who has never been on the rewatchables. And you probably won't guess who it is. If you do, I'll be impressed. See you next time. 